Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined by Dan Yucky Pants Kruger. Hey. Yeah, I said it. You guys don't get to join us before these episodes go live, but sometimes uh, the witty banter gets a little yucky. Um, And Dan has a baby at home, so, you know, poop jokes. Yes. Let's just say, <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Little baby jokes. Leave it at that. Anywho, so um, Dan, today I was thinking we talk about um, something that came up. I was starting to think about when we were having an uh, investor onboarding call earlier about selling, selling properties, mm. and there's I think a lot of operators out there who function a little bit differently than we do. Like their core thesis is a little bit different and there's um, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that they're wrong by any means. Just understanding what's your investment profile, like what's your goal, what's your thesis. For us, we don't really like the idea of selling all that much. So that maybe flies in the face of other operators who want to like get in and then two to three years later sell. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to like a, a buddy of mine at the Best Ever Conference uh, two weeks ago or whenever we were in Colorado. And he's like, yeah, that's my goal right now. Like, I want to get in three years later. I want to be out and I want to get like like 2x multiple and move on to the next thing. So I thought we'd just do a quick episode of like real quickly. Why do we think selling is overrated? And then we'll flip the script and we'll actually circle back around and say, here are the scenarios where selling actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think the, uh, uh, the, the logic with just kind of buying and holding indefinitely for the most part. Now, this isn't like a you know, a static rule that never changes. We always look at every deal in a vacuum and say, what makes the most sense with this deal, with the capital that's in this deal, with the structure, with the macroeconomic environment, like what makes the most sense right here? That's how we look at everything. But generally speaking, we've got this philosophy that we're more of a buy and hold for very long-term guys than a quick flip kind of guy. And the reason that kind of started, at least for me personally, is because when I was first getting started in this business, I would always ask anybody who was way ahead of me, um, what would you do if you were my age or what would you have done differently uh, when you started? And the most consistent response I got from all these old guys who had been in the business a long time was I wouldn't sell anything. And the things they regret were the things that they sold and watched double and triple and quadruple in value over the subsequent years and decades. So that kind of started my brain down going down that path. And then it also just makes a lot more sense with our goals. We're trying to amass a portfolio and you don't really amass a large portfolio if you're consistently selling things off. So our goal is to grow a a large portfolio isn't necessarily served by selling things off. Now with that said, there's always reasons to sell. Um, 
There's some good ones. Like, Pretty good ones. You know, we'll, we'll kind of get to what those are. But generally speaking, we want to accumulate. We want to acquire, mm. not necessarily um, buy something, use it to make some money, and then get rid of it. Yeah. And this, to your point about, like, when you talk to old guys and they're like, the thing I regret most is selling. Always this, listen to old guys. Yeah, always listen to the old guys in general. Like, they, they tend to know what they're doing um, unless they kind of bygones of an old era and they're a little bit racist still and like maybe don't <laughs> listen to grandpa <laughs> selectively yeah selectively listen you know use your best judgment here but um uh i was listening to alex Ramosi. this is a long time ago and Big he, surprise. i'm always listening to him and like <laughs> but he, you know he's coming from a similar concept of like hey studying what wealthy people do he's trying to like level up this guy worth like a hundred million dollars trying to get to a billion right and so he's talking to a billionaire friend and the guy's like listen ri- the rich people rich people sell but wealthy people own. Mm. He's like wealthy people, like billionaires, like they don't sell ever. They just continue owning and figure out like how to keep leveraging that asset and like utilizing it to its highest uh, potential. But you can get rich selling. He's like, but you'll never get wealthy unless you own. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like take that that philosophy into owning real estate as well. Is like really like on a long horizon, like you, you can't go wrong. It's really hard to go wrong. Um, and one of the things I think about is like when you do sell. You're, you're presented with a very unique issue, which is, okay, now what do we do? Yeah. Right. Like we have, we had a deal. A we, windfall <laughs> of cash is a problem. Surprisingly. It seriously is. Um, a lot of people don't realize that until they have one. Uh, they think it's going to be good and then it happens. They're like, oh shoot, I've got X amount of dollars. I don't know what to do with it. It's like your ice cream on a Sunday, hot summer day, right? Yeah. Where suddenly you're like, oh my God, I got a really big ice cream cone here and it's melting. Yeah. I got to figure out what to do with it. Well, that's my worry with inflation. But I think generally people are just worried that all of a sudden they have this big pile of responsibility that yeah. is cash and like, I need to put this to work and I don't know what to do. And that worries me because I might do the wrong thing. I think that's what oh, I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. In that situation, they get anxiety and they start to think a little bit too uh, anxiously about what they ought to be doing, which mm-hmm. isn't the kind of mindset you want to be in when you're trying to deploy large amounts of capital. So. Yeah. And generally, like generally speaking, if you had a good deal that was like cash flowing and you had a good exit event, like theoretically you could have kept that asset, maybe done a refinance, kept your, you know, gotten all your money out of it and kept this asset that's cash flowing. But now you just, you got rid of this asset and you ask anybody that they'll tell you deals are harder to find than capital these days. Right. Like, so even if I give you a ton of capital, you have to go figure out what to do with it. And that's not super easy to do. And so if you have an asset and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, well, maybe this isn't the highest and best use, strictly speaking. Like I could probably go put this into something better. Like it's that whole bird in the hand better than two in the bush scenario. Now, with that said, there are some good scenarios for selling. And one of those does revolve around highest and best use. So yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, effectively, it's something that a lot of newer investors in the space uh, struggle to kind of wrap their heads around is the return on equity, which is basically saying out of how much, depending on how much capital you have in a deal or how much equity you have, you know, what what kind of return are you generating, right? So if you've got a million dollar building and you've got $100,000 of equity, well, let's make it a little bit more. That's not very much. Yeah, (laughs) let's call it $300,000 of equity. Um, So you've got about you know, uh, $700,000 or $700, of debt and uh, a few hundred thousand dollars of equity. Uh, and you're getting, let's say, $150,000, a year, something like that. So you're doing all right as far as cash flow goes there. But let's say over time that debt gets paid down and the value of the property goes up and all of a sudden you've got 
half a million dollars in equity, you're still getting about $15,000 a year. Your return on equity actually dropped. And it's going to keep doing that as the debt gets paid down and as the value goes up. And so your money's becoming, uh, your money's being used less and less efficiently as that plays out. And so your return on equity goes from maybe 20% to 15 to 10 to, you know, gets pretty low as that debt goes down and as that property value goes up and that becomes less and less efficient. So it becomes a question of opportunity cost where is my 500,000 or however much equity I have in this building uh, being used at its highest and best use here? Or would I be better served by taking some of that out, either from a refinance, which is our preferred method, or sale, and putting it somewhere else where it's going to earn more than it's currently earning? So that's really the question that people need to be asking themselves is not just, oh, am I making more dollars this year than I was last year? It's, am I, am I making more return on my equity than I was last year? And chances are that's probably going down if you're not improving the asset and if the debt's getting paid down and the value is going up, that return on equity is actually kind of dropping. Mm-hmm. The other, the other aspect of opportunity cost that I want to point out here real quick is, you know, you might have all this equity and your your return is dropping, and you're looking at it and like, well, I could refinance it or I could sell it, and I could get X, and I could maybe go find another deal. The other part of opportunity cost is to look at like the time and energy required to go and execute. Like, if I was to sell this asset, how much time and energy is that going to require to then go move it into this other asset? How much time and energy is that going to require? Would I be better served, you know, doing the refinance? Maybe it's a little bit less work, keeping the money in there, and then you know. Maybe it's not as high of a percent return as you ultimately could get. But when I think of opportunity costs, it's not always just about the dollar bills. It's also about like the time and the mental angst and everything else that goes into it. Which Yeah, and there's there's more cost to selling than there is to refi as well. Uh, depending on how you refinance something, it might cost you half a percent, maybe even less, up to like a percent. Whereas if you want to sell it, you're going to pay a broker mm. three to five percent plus the closing costs, plus the taxes. So the actual cost of liquidating that asset and turning it into cash, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, you can 1031 and you can get creative to avoid the taxes, but that, that, that commission that you've got to pay, whether you pay a broker to do it or you invest your time and sell it yourself, which you know is pretty much the same thing as, as putting money out the door if you're putting time out the door, it's going to be more expensive to sell than it is to refi. Yeah. So. So that's all to say, this is why we think selling is overrated. Now, obviously, we're speaking hyperbolically. It's not always overrated. There's scenarios where it makes a lot of sense, um, and we're not saying never sell. But just hopefully this provided you with a new lens, a new context for thinking about, should I sell or should I hold on to this asset? Because I think it's a question at some point, hopefully, we all have to answer for ourselves. Like If things are going great in our investments, we have to ask ourselves, what's the highest and best use, and what are the opportunity costs that I'm foregoing, both monetarily, but then also psychologically and um, temporarily. Um, and yeah. also just to throw it out there, this, all the stuff that we just chatted about makes sense in today's environment. This could be very different if, uh, you know, over the next several years, interest rates grow up dramatically, you know, the whole refi and hold for everything might not make as much sense. Yes. If rates change. So this is all assuming that we're in a relatively low interest rate environment. Yeah. So if you're listening to this from the future, a hundred years down the road and the lizard people have taken over, just take this with a grain of salt. Like <laughs> we might be wrong now. Um, we might also be dead. Um, Hopefully not. I'm going to live forever. You can't get rid of me now. I, with that said, with that terrifying omen of things to come of uh, immortal Anthony, I want to just let you guys know I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join us on this existential ride through the cosmos. And hopefully you got a little bit of value out of it. If you did, go drop a review. If you didn't, 
That's also, okay. go drop a review. <laughs> Let us know. We'll Let us know it. one way or the other. We'll do better. We can do gooder. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.